0: Looking for the latest perspectives to help simplify changing market conditions? Go to Nationwide, one of America's largest financial services companies. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation. FINRA member. Columbus, Ohio. The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash earnings right now. netsuite.com slash earnings.
1: As a professional welder, Shana Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over which helps her improve her skills.
0: The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is.
1: Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact.
2: Welcome to the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. I'm Tom Keen, along with Jonathan Farrell and Lisa Abramowitz. Daily, we bring you insight from the best and economics, finance, investment, and international relations. Find Bloomberg Surveillance on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and, of course, on the Bloomberg Terminal. Joining
3: us now. Andrew Griffith, the UK Financial Secretary to the Treasury and the City Minister. Andrew, fantastic to catch up with you, sir. We understand the Chancellor and the Prime Minister is meeting with the OBR today. The Bank of England's gilt market operation ends in the middle of October. Should those forecasts from the OBR be published before then?
4: Well the key thing to take away is that the government, uh, the OBR and the Bank of England are all working in a coordinated fashion, each doing their respective jobs. So uh, the bank's doing its job on monetary policy uh, and market conduct, Uh, the OBR, its job on forecasts and bringing forward the the, the forecasts when they're ready uh, to be able to wrap in the recently announced government growth plan Uh, and then of course the government growth plan which has features about energy, protecting households and businesses, uh, how we're gonna go forward on energy security, you know, building clean energy going forward, uh, and also a lot of supply side measures in the UK. It's a very growth orientated plan. So what you've seen over the last week uh, is each of those players do their job, It's good that the Chancellor and the Prime Minister are joined up with the OBR. I think that meeting finishes shortly. Um, But you've seen a lot of coordinated activity over the last week. Andrew, I haven't seen coordinated action
3: at all. I've seen a mess. I saw you come out last week with a mini budget. The Bank of England follow up with unprecedented intervention in the guilt market and the OBR. Now you visit the OBR and look for some forecasts after the fact. Why weren't these forecasts published alongside this mini budget last week?
4: Because the growth plan's got lots of components to it. There was an imperative to act uh, this time last week. It's tomorrow, you know, this is the quarter end. It's tomorrow that energy prices would have gone up across the United Kingdom. Uh, Real uncertainty for businesses and households. Uh, So it was right to do that then. There's a lot of detail in terms of how the UK government wants to see growth going forward. Uh, And that wouldn't have been available to the OBR Uh, to factor into their forecast indeed some of that we're still waiting uh, to announce over the coming weeks plans for infrastructure for the housing market for childcare. some of the deep-seated challenges that probably all of our major economies have with growth so you know look it's been a it's been a busy week uh, but each of those players are doing their job in a coordinated fashion
1: how concerned are you about the increase in uh, borrowing costs with some people citing a ten and a half percent mortgage cost at a time when the Bank of England is being tasked with offsetting a proposal that has not been put out there but the market is responding
4: yeah look of course of course rising rates are a concern uh, we've seen that obviously you know going into last week uh, I think you'd seen more tightening in the. US that's now. happened in the UK as well. Uh, We've seen figures out of Europe as well today indicating that they've got exactly the same sort of issues around inflation. Uh, What the energy package measures do is actually reduce the headline rate of inflation, uh, and that's something that's going the other way to the trend we're all seeing.
1: But Andrew, uh, there is this discussion about not releasing the OBR report earlier than the November 23rd deadline at a time when the market's moving. It's having real-term effects now. I just release it earlier to give people a sense of what's going on?
4: Yeah, well, Lisa, look, I was a finance director for 11 years. You know, my board wanted me to release my figures as early as I could, uh, but they also wanted them to be credible, to take the time to reflect all the information in a very fast moving world that's available. So, uh, everyone will have their own view on that. I think you just have to recognise there is a balance between speed and velocity uh, and being able to wrap in information. Uh, And some of that information, as I say, uh, will be coming forward. The growth plan itself is a 40-page document, uh, and some of that detail... Uh, will still be released over the coming weeks.
3: Andrew, it's not for you to decide how long the OBR needs, is it? Let's get real about this. We're reporting now that you haven't sought to accelerate the watchdog's eco-forecast at all. That's our latest report, according to officials familiar with the comments after the OBR Treasury meeting. Why haven't you asked them to accelerate it?
4: Well I've just talked about how there's a lot of different details, I don't know how familiar you are with all of the growth plan, people have heard some of the headline measures they've been widely reported, uh, perhaps less so about the plan for infrastructure, Uh, The plan for immigration, housing, you know, these elements, really important elements of the growth plan. That is how we're going to finance the fiscal announcements that were made last Friday. So I I think you've just got to look at it as a package. Uh, When the Chancellor asked the OBR to report on the 23rd of November, it was in contemplation of being able to take into account the whole of that package. Have you asked the the OBR? Have you asked the OBR?
3: Have you asked the OBR? To bring forward those forecasts as soon as possible or have you told them that you want them at the end of November?
4: Well the the, the chancellor will read out on on his meeting in due course um, but in the meantime you know don't don't lose sight of the fact that the fundamentals here uh, were strong coming in uh, we started this um, with some of the lowest rates the lowest jet debt to GDP in the G7 uh, the economy is still growing, albeit we acknowledge that it's challenging head.
2: Andrew, Tom Keene yeah. in New York. I'm sorry to bother My you. Top. As we speak, the Bloomberg Financial Conditions Index for the United Kingdom is a negative four standard deviations. You have seen a seven standard deviation move, and the blended gilt price move. You have a derivative disaster. You are the city minister. What are the regulators going to do finally to amend the derivative shell game that caused the Bank of England to bail out the marketing industry of LDI?
4: Yeah, and you'll be aware, Tom, about the independence of the regulator. So uh, one of the things that you learn as city minister is uh, that the regulators have their job to do. Uh, well, my
2: job How is to make sure, How, make sure I'm, that we have I'm, the most
4: competitive environment in which I'm, to do business. Okay, and, you have we-
2: a competitive environment that on a seven standard deviation move blew up. Fine. What does the United Kingdom do off of the scandals of of 2007 and 2008 to finally control the natural greed of the derivative business? You're at the heart of this is city minister. How do we finally get our every eight year derivative blow up fixed
4: well the bank of england is taking the actions that they need to in the market right now uh, in the long term of course we look at the getting the right the right regulatory structure and that's a shared objective uh, of ourselves and the bank uh, and the prudential regulators so you know of course one will always look at wherever there are um, uh, there are other points in, in the regulatory structure that need mm-hmm. to be looked at, but that's not. But that's not the focus for today. The banks uh, made its its judgment and well, I... in its into in the markets. I... Um, the thing. The thing to your to your point earlier, Tom. Uh, in terms of the politics is that that we need to communicate how this country is going to grow. That's what's going to give people the confidence to invest, the confidence uh, to hold the currency uh, and the ability for us as government to fund okay. the high quality to services and all of the infrastructure that we need.
2: To Mr. Farrow's questions earlier. What do you need Mm. to do on this Friday evening to give confidence Monday that the different experts are advising the trust government of the outcomes of their Reaganomics like policy?
4: Well, I wouldn't accept that characterization. What what you need to know and the markets need to understand is that we are working absolutely in in lockstep. You've seen a number of coordinated announcements uh, from both the government and the Governor of the Bank of England over the course of this week. I spend my time meeting uh, investors, talking to regulators, talking to the financial markets. Um, But these are volatile times. Um, And we're seeing that in every market, uh, sometimes at different different speeds and pace, but it's a macro trend that we're seeing. uh, And some of the things that we are tasked to do is to bring forward supply-side reforms to improve the UK's energy security situation, because the aberrant here is the strength of the US economy, the strength of the US dollar as a function of your greater energy so, security. Wait, wait, it's so, our fault? We can't fault fix there, that one overnight. I,
2: it's, I just want to make this clear, John. I believe the minister just told us it's our fault the UK's blown up. I think that's what I heard. Well, we don't have time no, so. that's
4: not, that's not. That is not what you heard. What you heard is that um, we've got a job to do to try and improve our energy security. Uh, and if anyone thinks that this isn't ultimately a macro issue that flows in part from Putin's invasion of Ukraine,
3: This is Bloomberg.
2: What we do know is from the moment it was known that Jane Foley of Rabobank would speak with us, pound is weakened from 112 to a 110 handle as well. Jane Foley, I rarely do this, but I've got to get exceptionally narrow here, right down to the GIP function and some of the technicals on sterling. Give us your key support and key resistance levels for cable.
5: Well, we're seeing huge ranges right now, so that's really difficult to do. But we are targeting 104. Certainly, cable remains really very vulnerable because you've got to ask the question, well, what happens when the Bank of England takes away this extraordinary Mm -hmm. support of the gilt market? You know, the crux of the problem is still there, which is what is this government going to do in terms of its its fiscal policies? Now, it's one thing during the pandemic to to wish you more debt when you had the Bank of England hoovering up some of that uh, debt through quantitative easing. But to try and do that when the Central Bank has reversed course, it's clearly very difficult to do. Now, the Central Bank, again, is uh, going through its uh, uh, quantitative easing program. But that is a credibility issue. Is is it supporting the, the government's fiscal stance?
2: Jane, explain to us the efficacy of foreign exchange analysis right now. When I look at fancy ratioed financial conditions indexes and fixed income spreads that are grim, does foreign exchange really tell me what's going on?
5: I think it does I think sterling has been saying all year that UK fundamentals are grim sterling has been a poor performer all year the Bank of England has been failing to turn sterling around with interest rate hikes and that's certainly been the case since the spring um, and that tells you that investors don't like what they see and they don't like what they see even more because of it because of the budget last week and you know even if even if you know some of those measures were to be at reverse and there's no sign at all that the government wants to to do that. There is still being a, a dirty stain now on the credibility perhaps of the Bank of England, but certainly the credibility of, of this government. And and you know the government's talking about the necessity of this budget because it wanted to improve growth. Well actually, you know, for many, many people a lot of those subsidies on the energy price is going to be taken away in the form of higher mortgage payments anyway. People are going to be poorer as a consequence of this and, and also maybe because of their, the way Gilts look in their pension portfolios. So no wonder We've got the latest opinion polls saying that uh, Labour has got a a 33-point lead over the Tories at this point.
1: The United Kingdom has unique circumstances in some ways, but in others not so much. And we are seeing fiscal spending around the euro region to try to grapple with what is going to be a difficult winter. How much does this just accelerate the dollar dominance at a time when the U.S. faces a different picture, isn't necessarily engaged in the same kind of fiscal band-aid for a problem that has a longer-lasting kind of time
5: frame? I think it does accelerate uh, the, the outlook for the dollar. I mean, like you said, the market was already worried about global growth. It was already worried about U.K. fundamentals, which of course is why the timing of this budget was so was so bad, the Chancellor failing to read those market conditions. But it does accelerate the, 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 the movement into safe haven for the dollar. But, you know, I would really like just to state that I don't think that U.S. fundamentals uh, operate on the, on the dollar in the same way that fundamentals of, of say, the, the U.K. operate on, on Sterling, And this is because the dollar has its own set of fundamentals. It, it is a huge invoicing currency. It is a massive reserve currency because it's a huge invoicing currency. And, and the, the long and the short of it, the simplicity of it is that when there is crisis, when there is uncertainty, people just need dollars. They need it to cover their liabilities, to, to pay their invoices, perhaps to cover their dollar debt liabilities, depending on, on where you are. So the dollar operates to its own set of fundamentals, which are pretty quite distinct from the fundamentals. Of the U-
3: of the U.S. Jane Foley, Jane, just wonderful to catch up with you in London and then back here in New York as well. Jane Foley, thank you uh, for Abbot Bank.
0: Seeking timely market and economic updates to help guide client conversations. Look to Nationwide. Nationwide makes simplicity a priority for financial professionals by offering easy access to timely perspectives on changing market conditions so more time can be focused on helping clients keep their financial plans on track. Nationwide is on your side. Nationwide Investment Services Corporation, FinRemember, Columbus, Ohio.
6: Success is more than a destination. It's a path you take one step at a time.
2: For John, Lisa, and I and all of our team, we are going to continue to monitor this through the weekend as well. And it is across equities, bonds, currencies, and hydrocarbons given a war in Ukraine. Expert on this is Regina Mayer global head of energy at KPMG, which barely describes the nexus of her military experience with the study of hydrocarbons at Rice University. Regina, thank you so much for joining today. What are you watching in the oil and gas market? When you begin your day, what is the thing we need to focus on right now?
0: So when I'm thinking about what's happening in Europe, because that's where there's a lot of attention these days, I am looking at three things uh, every day, Tom. That is, what is the natural gas stock supply look like? What are the spot and forward natural gas prices in Europe? And what do we think the weather projections will be both for today, tomorrow, and and the coming winter? The near term, I'm near term optimistic because European gas stocks are at 90% of normal for this time. They were at 50% over the summer. So I think the EU's done a great job of rebuilding that stock. Uh, Short-term prices are down 50% from their highs over the summer. Though they're still 200% higher than they were this time last year, but they've halved by the summer. And I think we're hoping uh, that the weather stays more in our favor. So near-term optimism, but those are some of the things I look at.
1: Near-term. What about longer-term?
0: Yeah. Well, longer-term, there's so much volatility. If you just look at this week alone, Lisa... Crude oil price jumped around eight to 10% uh, up and down. And so I think the market has a lot of jitters. We saw some downward price pressure with recessionary concerns uh, and the strengthening of the dollar. But then we worried about demand because the market got jittery with what's happened with the Nord Stream pipelines, even though that actually does not affect near-term European gas supply because those pipelines were not serving Europe. But the EU has done a great job of reducing its short-term dependence on Russian gas. And so I think that the added threats will create upward price pressure. It will continue that. But the recessionary fears, the rampant inflation that you all have been talking about, that creates a downward price pressure that keeps us more in balance. Some analysts are are pegging average crude price for 2022 to be in the 70s, which I don't think I would have expected that uh, just three months ago.
1: Well, sticking on the energy story in Europe, we heard from Anne-Marie Herder and our correspondent in Washington, D.C., about how there are increasing calls from Europe for the U.S. to lower its natural gas prices as it exports to Europe, to give them some assistance through the winter. Do you see that as a realistic outcome that the U.S. is willing to provide marginal demand and somehow cap prices in some manner?
0: I I did think that was interesting in the the paper that the EU has issued about creating an LNG transaction-based benchmark. Uh, You know, the the markets are very transparent, and, you know, hydrocarbons have been trading in the ways that they've been trading for almost decades, right? So I don't know how successful that will ultimately be, given all this volatility that we've been talking about. Uh, I do think, though, the governments are really interested in having more unified policies to protect their electorate, and to secure energy supplies for the coming winter
2: month. Regina, the Netherlands was 17% inflation, and the hydrocarbon part of that, I believe, is 114%. Just unimaginable numbers. What are the ramifications if we get 90 days of 17% inflation in the Netherlands? Well,
0: I'm not an economist, Tom, but I mean, I, I think it's you're seeing major price escalation. I'm talking to a lot of senior executives that run manufacturing companies all across Europe yeah. and their energy costs are through the roof. And that cost then has to get translated back down into goods and services that go to consumers. And that I think is what's driving some of these, these crazy inflationary numbers that we're seeing. Uh, and until we can drive that overall energy cost down, you know, they're making short-term decisions to cut manufacturing runs as a demand management response, but I think we'll continue to see a lot of upward pressure on price given these higher energy costs.
3: Regina, thank you. And thanks for making it this morning to join us. We appreciate it. Regina Mather of KPMG.
2: Holding on is the expertise of the chief investment strategist at Lutho. Jim Paulson recalibrates into fourth quarter with us this morning. What's the value of cash right now, Mr. Paulson?
7: I... I, I, it's nice to see cash, Tom, at least giving a positive yield of of some merit, but I don't think it's the right asset to be in right now. Um, I think things are pretty unsustainable at the moment, um, and it's all tied to policy officials raising rates. Um, In in this country, the 10-year yield is going straight north while commodity prices are collapsing, while inflation surprise index is falling, while, while the ISM's... Price surveys from service and manufacturers are are falling out of bed, while inflation expectations in the bond market break-even rates are collapsing. Um, the The dollar is 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 simply out of control, and the upside is a reflection of of yields. and I think you know something's got to change. It's gotten too extreme, and probably what changes is rates stop going up soon. and If that's the case, I think the stock market's going to have a good rip yet, um, and I don't think you'll be pleased by putting too much in cash. But having some in cash, it's nice to have a a bond market that's yielding something and a a cash market that's yielding something. It certainly gives asset allocators or just people, uh, individuals, an opportunity to diversify some risks that they haven't had for quite some time.
3: What's that call option you've got then, Jim, on a rip? What are you playing? Where are you sitting? What's the pocket of the market you want to be present in?
7: Well, I, I, I think I, I look at this like coming out of a recession, uh, Jonathan. I, I, would, I would look at early cycle stocks. So my favorite sector is the consumer discretionary sector. I think it's the one sector that's been most harmed by inflation. It destroys uh, not only their operations by squeezing their margins of the companies, but it destroys the confidence of their customer base. And so as inflation rolls over, I think those stocks come back to life I'd also you know look at uh, growth stocks particularly small cap growth I my favorite tilt would be towards small caps which by the way have held up remarkably well in this last draft in the stock market here uh, since August and I, I think that um, I, I would I would have some exposure there I, I also think that there's cyclicals beyond the uh, consumer discretionary that probably play like industrials and so and so forth and i also think there could be a play on the dollar yet i, I just think the dollar's too high has got to come down and i i don't know if i'd have a broad-based international bet right now but i would maybe in emerging markets excluding china
1: so jim right now nike share is down 11 uh, percent in pre-market trading a screaming buy
7: uh no i don't have any particular preference to nike uh lisa <laughs>
1: I, 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 I mean, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I, I know that you're you're viewing this from a more big uh, big picture sense, but uh, yeah. I guess that the the point that I was trying to make is, what's the risk to the downside as you wait for the Fed to blink? When the Fed's saying we're not going to blink and yeah. no things are not breaking, it looks like actually financial stability is holding in just fine in the U.S.
7: I I think we're getting really close to a blink, and and it'll probably a forced. It could be that we get a. You know, a a really weak economic report, it could be that we get a really good inflation report, probably more likely is something breaks. And you guys are bringing up things this morning that are starting to show some cracks in the foundation. And right now, if, if something breaks in the U.S. and it's a systemic problem, there's more downside risk in the stock market. But I think that the private balance sheets of the United States, both households and corporations, are very solid and they're very liquid and the the banking industry is squeaky clean in this country and the chance of a systemic balance sheet break here I think are low so I think something breaks but if it's not systemic it will cause a pause in the tightening cycle across the globe and that could be a really big positive here for the stock market. Jim that's a bit one I struggle point, with. You know,
3: can, can you make that final point and then I'll come back to you. Just take the stage, you've got the stage.
7: That, OK, I, I just want to make one point that, you know, Powell seems bent on, you know, uh, channeling his inner, inner Volcker moment. And the entire Volker moment that actually occurred in 80 to 81 there, when Paul Volcker took the funds rate from nine and a half percent in August, I think, to 20 percent by December. Um, the, the stock market after that, 81, 82, fell by a total of 27 percent. I think it's important to recognize we're already down 25% in this country already. So yep. even if we're having a Powell moment, you know, it's interesting. Volker had a Volker moment after 15 years of runaway inflation in this country. The Powell Fed is wanting to do a Volcker moment after 15 months of high inflation. I don't think the two are comparable and don't need the same approach.
3: Hey, Jim, we'll continue this conversation another time. So we appreciate your thoughts. Incredibly constructive. The hope is there. Jim Paulson there at the Luthold Group.
2: This is the Bloomberg Surveillance Podcast. Thanks for listening. Join us live weekdays from 7 to 10 a.m. Eastern on Bloomberg Radio and on Bloomberg Television each day from 6 to 9 a.m. for insight from the best in economics, finance, investment, and international relations. And subscribe to the Surveillance Podcast on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Bloomberg.com, and of course, on the Terminal. I'm Tom Keen, and this
7: is Bloomberg.
5: It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts.
6: Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk? Then we have just a show for you. He's become even more larger than life.
0: Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are, like, really close to the edge of, like, everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain.
6: Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze, and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire.
0: It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon, Inc.
6: From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon, Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.